0: the music of Claude Debussy completely transformed Western music at the end of the last century. Debussy created music with extraordinary sensuous textures, highly unusual instrumental colors, and evocative new harmonies. Through these innovations, Debussy created perhaps the most strikingly original body of work ever achieved by a single composer. His scores revealed whole new worlds of sound to musicians and to audiences, and they remain hauntingly beautiful a century after they were written. Hello, I'm Gerard Schwartz for Musically Speaking. On this recording, we'll explore the musical world of the great French composer Claude Debussy, focusing on three of his brilliant orchestral pieces, the prelude to Afternoon of a Faun, the three pieces known as Nocturnes, and his luminous portrait of the sea, La Mer. We'll also look in some detail at Debussy's revolutionary harmonic language and at his highly imaginative use of orchestral instruments. Debussy and his work are indelibly associated with French culture at the turn of the last century, particularly with the school of painters associated with the term Impressionism. That same term frequently is applied to Debussy's music, although the composer himself disliked the label. Debussy was born in the summer of 1862 in Saint-Germain-en-Laye, a suburb of Paris. Neither of his parents were musical, nor particularly well-educated. His father worked as a shopkeeper, a traveling salesman, a printer's assistant, and finally as a clerk in an accounting firm. His mother was a seamstress. Achille Claude, as his parents christened him, received his early education entirely from his mother, apart from some piano lessons he began at the age of seven or eight. Debussy soon showed exceptional promise as a pianist, and at the age of ten gained admission to the famed Paris Conservatory, one of the world's great music schools. He developed an outstanding command of the keyboard and seemed destined for a career as a virtuoso pianist. But for some reason, he failed to take prizes in the competitions he entered at the conservatory. In 1880, around the time of his 18th birthday, he went to Switzerland and spent a season there as house pianist to Nadege de Meck the wealthy and music-loving Russian widow who, for years, was Tchaikovsky's patron and correspondent. However, Debussy soon fell in love with Madame von Neck's eldest daughter and was quickly dismissed. Upon his return to Paris, Debussy enrolled in composition classes at the conservatory. His future course was now decided. That is not to say that Debussy's career progressed smoothly or easily. After finishing his conservatory courses, he worked in obscurity and poverty for most of the next two decades. Debussy had no interest in writing the sort of officially sanctioned conventional music that might have earned him commissions, performances, and perhaps a teaching post at some music school. Even during his student days, he upset his teachers with the unusual harmonies that he would improvise at the piano. Once an instructor at the conservatory confronted him over some of these audacities. So, said the professor, you imagine that dissonant chords do not have to be resolved. What rule do you follow? Debussy replied, my instinct. In fact, Debussy's instinct for new, unimagined harmonies would become one of the most important developments in the creation of modern music. After leaving the conservatory, Debussy led a bohemian existence in Paris. He earned a meager living, giving as few piano lessons as he could get by on. He wrote a good deal of music, but felt satisfied with very little of it. Paris in those days was at the center of new ideas in the arts. Debussy associated with writers and painters, as well as musicians, and absorbed important ideas from their works. The textures of the new Impressionist artists greatly impressed him. The richly textured elusive poetry of Verlain and Mallarmé also seems to have suggested to him the possibility of a similarly rich, elusive kind of music. At the same time, Debussy absorbed more exotic influences. Most especially, he listened with fascination and delight to the sound of javanese gamelan music, which was heard in the West for the first time at the Paris International Exhibition of 1889. The unusual pentatonic harmonies and the colorful percussion effects of this music would later be reflected in many of Debussy's works, especially La Mer. In his personal life, Debussy became entangled in a series of difficult love relationships. About 1888, when he was 26 years old, Debussy began living with Gabrielle Dupont, a woman who supported him while he wrote his music. They had a tempestuous relationship for the next ten years, made more so, no doubt, by the composer's brief engagement to a young singer during the same time. Gabrielle later discovered another affair by finding a love letter in Debussy's coat pocket— After an argument, she shot herself, not fatally, and soon left him. In the meantime, Debussy had met a dressmaker named Rosalie Texier, and two years later, in 1899, when Debussy was 37, they married. Debussy reportedly had to give a piano lesson early on the morning of their wedding in order to be able to pay for the brunch following the ceremony. Debussy and Lily, as Rosalie was called, seemed initially to be very happy together, but their union would not last. During the first decade of his bohemian life with Gabrielle, Debussy could show almost nothing for himself as a composer. He published only a few very brief pieces and stood completely outside the French musical establishment. He experimented tirelessly and destroyed much of what he wrote. But slowly, he began to develop an original and increasingly assured compositional technique. His first masterpiece came in 1894, when he produced a short orchestral work inspired by Stéphane Mallarmé's poem, La midi du faune, or Afternoon of a Fawn. Mallarmé's work had achieved a certain notoriety, as much for its languid eroticism as for its indefinite, at times obscure, imagery. Debussy's work gave emphasis to the sensual aspects of the music, using tone, color, and texture to capture this eroticism. We'll later discuss this piece in detail. Debussy's next composition would prove a landmark in the history of music. Two years before the premiere of Afternoon of a Faun, he had read the play Peleas and Melisande by the Belgian writer Maurice Maeterlinck. Struck by its melancholy characters and dreamlike atmosphere, he began composing an opera to its text. That task occupied Debussy intermittently for much of the 1890s. When his opera Pelias and Melisande finally reached the stage in April 1902, it caused a sensation. Here was music that pointedly avoided arias, choruses, big climaxes, indeed all of the usual trappings of grand opera. Instead, the mood and flow of the work was conveyed by the orchestral music, while the singing followed a natural style that mirrored the cadences of speech. Praised in some quarters and condemned in others, Peleosa and Melisande established Debussy as a musician of undeniable importance. But even with his growing reputation, Debussy could still not support himself and Gabrielle, nor later Lily, through his music. And so, like Berlioz, Schumann, and Tchaikovsky before him, he took to working as a critic. Debussy's articles and reviews reveal a perceptive ear and mind, as well as a wry and sometimes sarcastic wit. He did not like many other composers' work. He once wrote... I am more and more convinced that music, by its very nature, is something that cannot be cast into a traditional and fixed form. It is made up of colors and rhythms. The rest of it is a lot of humbug invented by frigid imbeciles riding on the backs of the masters, whom, for the most part, wrote almost nothing but period music. Bach alone had an idea of the truth. During the first decade of the twentieth century, as WC turned forty, he continued to compose energetically. Not all of his efforts bore fruit. In particular, he drafted several operas that he subsequently abandoned, most notably one based on Edgar Allan Poe's story, The Fall of the House of Usher. To some extent, these artistic false starts mirrored a chaotic personal life. In nineteen oh three, four years after his marriage to Lily, he was Debussy met Emma Bardak, an amateur singer and the wife of a Parisian banker. A year later, he left his wife to live with Emma. Lily Debussy took her husband's departure hard. She procured a pistol and shot herself, suffering a nearly fatal chest wound. The Parisian arts world ignited with scandal, and several of the composer's friends completely cut off relations with him. This development pained Debussy greatly. Often, I've had to force a smile, he told a correspondent at the time, so that no one would see I was about to cry. Many thought Debussy went to Emma just for her money, but she also was witty, artistic, and far more sophisticated than the unintellectual Lily. To add to the scandal, in the autumn of 1905...